Well, I got to talk about the big game yesterday. Uh, how many of you guys watched the big game yesterday with that team from Columbus? Yeah, that's actually uh, more than I would have thought, and I'm sorry you guys had to watch that. Uh, <laughs> As we took the lead early in the first period, then we lost that lead uh, real briefly in the second period. However, we took that lead pretty uh, we took that lead back pretty quickly, and we hung on to win. And so the Detroit Red Wings, we picked up our eighth win of the season. And I'm sorry, your Columbus Blue Jackets lost yet again yesterday. I'm sorry you all had to watch that big game of our Detroit Red Wings taking it to uh, your Columbus Blue Jackets. A wrong game, I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. Maybe there was another game yesterday from a team from Columbus. I'm sure nobody watched that, or rather I hope nobody uh, watched that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the, the, the big Buckeye game last night. Not a good game for uh, one of us here uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> The world, uh, on a more serious note, uh, the world lost a Buckeye fan last week in Greg Demet. As I mentioned in our prayer requests and praises, Greg pastor down in Texas. He was born and raised here in Ohio, and he was a Buckeye fan himself. Well, Greg was a fellow pastor down in Texas at the Cornerstone Church of God. He had a funeral service here in Ohio as well, Lawrenceville on Wednesday, and it served as a reminder for me while attending Greg's funeral service that life is short. It's very short. Greg was only in his 60s when he passed away. Greg was a pastor that many looked up to as he had all sorts of knowledge. And there's a special bond, a special relationship between uh, fellow pastors. And so uh, mourn the, the loss of Greg there. Before I knew Greg, though, I knew his son, Michael, Michael Demet. Michael was my brother's age, and each year after Fuel, the national youth event that a number of our youth attend on a yearly basis, a handful of people would head to Michigan with many staying at our house. Uh, these were some of my most favorite times of the year, hanging out with our buddies after Fuel for about a week at our house and uh, just enjoying time with other people your age who have similar similar beliefs and values as you do. And so I saw Michael at the, the funeral service, and uh, Michael was one of those guys who would come up to Michigan after fuel, um, and so it's nice to catch up with and see Michael at the funeral. And now Michael's dad, Greg, is a bit older than my dad, but I couldn't imagine losing my dad to death yet. We almost lost my dad over 10 years ago in 2010 when he was just 45 years old. It was my brother's last day of school. It was Memorial Day weekend, if I remember cor correctly, and we were going camping later that day. And so my dad took off uh, the day from work as he was going to get some work done around the house, and he was going to get stuff ready so that we could go camping pretty soon after all of us kids got home from school. And so I remember getting off of the bus and walking home and seeing that our lawn was only partially mowed, and which I thought was a little weird at that time. But I found out as I went home, I found out that dad was in the hospital because of a, uh, a heart issue. 
And so my grandparents took us kids to see dad in the hospital later that night. And so this was a Friday. And so Saturday uh, rolls along and then Sunday comes and my uh, grandparents take us to church that day. We didn't miss a church for much. And while at church uh, on that Sunday, after my dad had these heart issues on uh, Friday, my grandma shared with the church that my dad had a heart attack. And I remember looking at our students like, what? He had a heart attack? All we knew that uh, he had uh, were some heart issues. Uh, my precious mom uh, didn't want us worrying over dad. And so her message to us was that he had heart issues. Um, and so we found out on Sunday that he had a heart attack. And so all of a sudden, th this heart issue that dad was experiencing, all, it, it became a lot more serious in our eyes. And after the fact, we found out that dad had a heart attack in, in, in what is known as the Widowmaker Artery. It's the largest artery in our bodies. And according to the American Heart Association, only 12% of people who have this type of heart attack outside of a medical facility survive. Yeah. So my dad was uh, about one of 10 people who have this particular heart attack outside of a hospital who survive. And uh, the, the timing is really important in this as you're losing oxygen to half of your heart, essentially. And uh, thank goodness my mom was home and my dad passed out. And so she was able to call the squad and uh, my dad's life was spared of that day. So that was a stark sign for me when I was in seventh grade, again, that life is short. And so many of us have gotten numerous reminders of this throughout our lives. Most, if not all of us in this room right now, have lost a family member in our lifetime. I don't know, possibly some of our younger ones haven't experienced the death of a family member yet, but I would bet most, if not all of them, have experienced the loss of a family member as well. And a number of us not only uh, have lost a, a family member, but a number of us have lost an immediate family member, whether that be a parent, a spouse, a sibling, or a child. Raise your hand if you have lost an immediate family member, whether that be a parent, spouse, sibling, or child in death. And look around. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of people in this room mourning over the death of a loved one mourning over the death of a parent, a sibling, a child, uh, a spouse, you name it. Uh, quoting a pastor from Greg's funeral, um, his words, not mine, he says, death sucks. And uh, can I get an amen? Amen. Death sucks. And you know, it, it, it sucks for us who are still alive as our loved ones who have fallen asleep in death. They are simply resting in the grave. Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes 9 how the dead know nothing and have no memory. And so for them, death is not a big issue at all. For them, uh, they'll wake up, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have fallen asleep in death, they'll wake up to the voice of the trumpet and wake up to an imperishable body. But for us... That hope is, is yet to come, and we have to go through the, this life and this present evil age without our loved ones by our side. And, and so there's a tremendous sense of hurt and pain that we can experience with death. And death is a serious, unfortunate consequence of living in a world that is cursed and broken by sin. 
If this world wasn't broken by sin, if there was no sin in this world, then we would not have to deal with death either. Death was only a consequence of sin being introduced into the world. And so because we live in a world that is broken and cursed by sin, death is very much a real thing and and it can hit us at any time in our lives. And so because of that, we we must realize the, the truth that life is short. When my dad had his uh, heart issue, his heart attack, I remember sitting in our grass and looking at the grass and flowers and Casting Crown's song, Who Am I, went through my mind. Uh, At that time, Casting Crowns was one of the most well-known Christian bands, if not the most well-known. We got to go to a number of their concerts growing up as my uncle's brother uh, worked from, for them and went on tour with them and got us a handful of tickets. So naturally, they were one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite. And so the chorus of this song, Who Am I, goes like this. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling, and you told me who I am. I am yours. I am yours. And so essentially, the message of this song is that our lives are fickle. We, we can meet our end whenever. And yet, we are still gods. We still belong to God. That is who we are. We are God's children. And so through songs like this and times in our life where we lose a loved one or nearly lose a loved one, We can come away with the understanding, the truth, that life is short. And this understanding that life is short is very much a biblical principle as well. There there are a handful of spots throughout the Bible where it talks about this truth of life being short. And there's more than I would have thought as I uh, took a look at this this past week, looking at uh, scriptures that indicate that, hey, yeah, life is short. And so this morning, we're we're simply going to read three of these texts this morning, three of these passages that talk about this truth that life is short. And so the first uh, passage that talks about this harsh reality that life is short is found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the first of the five uh, books of the major prophets. And so Isaiah was uh, preaching. He was serving as a prophet. A prophet's a fancy term for someone who is a mouthpiece of God, someone who speaks the word of God to others. And so Isaiah, he spoke the word of God to those around him in his ministry. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, it reads, A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so the song, Who Am I? by Casting Crowds, uh, I am a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, this is uh, inspired from these words and words, the same sort of idea and the same sort of image illustration is found elsewhere in the scriptures as well. But we see here, here uh, that this uh, initial idea of comparing our lives to a flower, grass that quickly fading, we see here is first found in Isaiah and how uh, Isaiah compares the 
flesh to grass. He compares you and I, our bodies, to grass. And just like a grass withers, just like a flower fades, so you and I, we wither and we fade away as well. You know, I enjoy a nice long, I often tell Jamie to just look at the grass in our backyard and how it's come such a long way and how it's so nice to look at now. And, you know, sometimes grass will go through a full life. Other times grass, it is abruptly uprooted and it comes to an abrupt end or an abrupt death. Uh, a good example of that would be uh, the grass up front in our ch uh, front church yard. If you remember, uh, we had plumbing issues out there. And so the plumbers, they came and they abruptly ended the life of that long stretch of grass in our front yard. And the same is true of flowers as well. You can abruptly end the life of a flower. And the same is true of our lives as well. Just like how the grass fades away, just like how the flower withers, we too, our lives are but grass and flowers in the field that wither and fade away. And sometimes we may make it through that full season of life and other times without us knowing it, without us knowing it's coming in advance, our life may come to an abrupt end. And so that's Isaiah here comparing our lives to the short lifespan of that of a flower or grass and how it fades or withers away. The, the psalmist uh, talks about this as well. In Psalm 90, we can read about uh, another instance, another uh, passage here where we see this truth that life is short. And Psalm 90 is actually a psalm from Moses. Uh, we don't get many psalms from Moses himself. Moses, uh, the man who freed the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians. We have the law of Moses. God brought the law to the Israelites through Moses. So Moses, a great man of faith. And so here in Psalm 90, called the prayer of Moses, the man of God, we see it, it reads, this is uh, Moses praying. And he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by our anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so here, Moses and this prayer to God, we see a couple of different phrases here that allude to this idea that life is short. First off, we see in verse 3, Moses says that you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. So if you remember from the story in Genesis of God creating the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he took Adam 
And he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. It would have been a pretty miraculous sight to see, to, to see God forming a man out of the dust of the ground. And when we fall asleep in death, we, we see that we return to that dust. We return to the grave. And so God says, return, O children of man. We, we return to dust. Our, our bodies, they fade and they wither away. And again here, uh, Moses uses that same illustration of comparing ourselves to grass and flowers as well in, uh, in talking about uh, how we quickly fade away, we, our presence, we, we quickly wither away just like the grass does. And he talks about how the typical person may live 70 to 80 years. So 70 years, but then if you have the strength of reason, you, you can even hit 80 years. But then they are soon gone. And then at the end of this passage that we read in verse 12, Moses prays to God. He says, God, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So in light of this fact that, that we are compared to this image of flowers or grass fading or withering uh, away, that we return to dust when we die, that a typical person may, may experience 70 or 80 years of life, um, and some don't reach that uh, number. In light of all of this, Moses says, God, teach us to number our days. Let us see the value in each day that you bless us with. So let me ask you, what are you filling your days with? Are you filling it with uh, nonsense that doesn't really matter? Are you watching gobs of TV, social media, or games? Or are you filling it with precious time spent with God and your friends and family? When we look at the big picture in our life, so often we can get so focused on the big picture that we lose sight of the day-to-day -day process of being a child of God. And here Moses prays to God that, that we may learn to count our days and that we may get a heart of wisdom and seeing the value that each day has in it. And, you know, we all have the, the same 24 hours and how are we spending those 24 hours? Last passage that we'll uh, take a look at, uh, talking about this truth that life is short, is found in the New Testament near the end of your Bibles in, in the book of James. Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter. And so in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, James, a lot of people really love the book of James as James talks about a lot of practical information of how we can apply this truth of being a Christ follower into our lives. And so as James talks about this practical application of how we can apply the truth of being a Christian into our lives, he talks about our lives being a fickle matter as well. And so in chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And so if you're anything uh, like me, you will often make plans of what you are going to do tomorrow. The rest of today, you make plans of what you're going to do uh, next year. And uh, James says, 
What are you thinking? You, you don't know what the rest of today brings. You don't know what tomorrow brings. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, I will do X, Y, and Z. For, for James says that we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's what our lives are like. You and I, we are, we are just like a mist that appears. And then shortly after that, we vanish. We fade away. We wither away. And so because of this really harsh reality that we are like a mist that appears and then quickly vanishes away, we've got to make all of our plans in accord to God's will. We live and do this or that according to the Lord's will. And James takes it a step further in verse 17. And he says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so because life is short, because we appear just like a, a mist and, and the next moment we vanish, because every moment is precious, if we know that X, Y, or Z is the right thing to do and we don't do X, Y, or Z, then you and I, we are committing a sin. And to him, it is sin. And so if you know you should go to church with your precious time, if you know that you should be helping the needy with your precious time, if you know that you should be reading your Bible or praying to God and you fail to do it, you're committing, according to the words of James, you are committing a sin. And so James talks about this truth that our time is precious. We are like a mist that appears and then quickly vanishes. And so we have to spend it wisely. Very, very similar uh, to the message of Moses and how we have got to learn to count our days. We've got to spend our time time wisely. And so there are a number of other passages that talk about this truth of life being short. I mean, when I look at my life, I'm now 26 years old, and I feel like I'm just barely getting started. I am, yeah. Uh, when I think about it, when I think of like Greg Demet, who passed away in his 60s, when I think about my dad, who nearly passed away in his 45, when I think about some of you guys who have lost your spouses, some of you guys have lost your children. For some of you guys, I'm more than halfway through this thing. Life is short. Life is tremendously short. And I think we, we, we can all understand this truth, this biblical principle that life is short. And so that we un, now that we understand that, that this principle that life is short, what do we do about this truth? There's two principles that I want us to, to take away with this morning in light of the fact that life is short. The first that we already alluded to a bit is that we need to make the most of our time. We need to learn to count our days. We need to learn the value that we have in our time. You know, there's a reason why our time is such a valuable resource, if not our single most valuable resource. It's because it is a very, very limited resource, and we cannot get more of it in this present evil age. 
Oftentimes, you may uh, you can go to a store and you can purchase a TV, you can purchase a book, you can purchase whatever the case may be. And you go home, you bring it uh, to your house, and you unbox it, you do whatever it is with this purchase, and you decide, eh, I'm not really satisfied with how I spend this money. A lot of times, you can go back to that store and you can get a refund on the money that you have spent on this purchase. And you know, a, a number of people are very conservative with the money that they spend. They may pinch every penny or they may carefully monitor their funds with a budget. And these can be good practices as our money is a powerful resource. How much more so should we be using these same principles, these same ideas with our resource of time? You know, we can get a refund on our money in many instances, but we can never not once can we get a refund on how we spend our time. And so we have got to make the most of the very little bit of time that we have within this present evil age that we are living in. You know, we should be pinching our, our pennies with, with our time. We, we, we should be carefully monitoring how we are spending our time. I know when, when I look at uh, many of our lives sitting here this morning, my, my life included, there needs to be more times in our life where we say no. We say no, we can't do that. I, I think uh, of Nehemiah. We talked about Nehemiah uh, a few months ago, um, and Nehemiah was up there uh, rebuilding the wall, and his adversaries wanted him to come down from, from doing this good work, but he said, no, I cannot stop doing, I cannot come down from doing this work because Nehemiah let the main thing be the main thing. And in our days, as we count our days, as we carefully monitor how we spend our time, we have got to let the main thing be the main thing in our lives. If the main thing in our life is to seek a relationship with God, then we've got to let that be the main thing in our schedules. We, we've got to make that a priority in the very little bit of time that we have. We each have the same 24 hours in a day to work with everybody. And we need to carefully monitor how we spend those 24 hours. And some of us need to learn to say no to some of these good opportunities that come our way because with such limited time, with, with this limited bit of, of this resource that we have, we can't spend it in all regards. We have to pick and choose in how we spend this very, very valuable resource. Just like there are many things that, that I would love to purchase with my money, but because my uh, funds are limited, I have to say no to a number of these things. And we should be doing the same thing with our time as well. You dictate your schedule. Don't let others dictate your schedule. Value your time. Make the most of your little time that you have. And so I'd encourage you to ask yourself, how are you using your time to further your mission in life? How are you using your time to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom? And so that's principle number one in light of the fact that life is short, that we have got to make the most of this very little bit of time that you and I have in this present evil age that we are living in. And the second principle that we can take away in light of the fact that life is short is that we can put our hope in eternal age. You know, 1 John 2.17 states it very simply. 
1 John uh, 2.17 states, the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. If we put our faith in God and his son, Christ Jesus, and through that faith, we are producing good fruit, then we see that the world and all of its desires are passing away. But we who have faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, and live accordingly, we will live forever. You know, life is short in this present evil age. And because of that, that this uh, resource of time is so valuable. But there is coming a day and age in God's coming kingdom where we don't have to worry about that. Because there will be all time in this eternity. There will be no end in God's coming kingdom. And so in light of this fact that we live, uh, we, we just have a very short bit of time in this present evil age. We can put our hope, we can put our faith in a day and age where we don't have to worry about the limits of time that we have. We will have all of eternity fellowshipping with one another. We'll have all of eternity to worship and praise our heavenly father. We'll have all of eternity to hang out with our Lord and savior, Christ Jesus. We'll have all of eternity for all of these great things that God has blessed you and I with. You know, this is the hope that should be driving us day in and day out. And it's through this hope that we begin to prioritize what we do in this little bit of time that we have in, the, in these current bodies that, that God has given us with. And we've got to be using this bit of time that we have to further God's kingdom here on earth. It's got to be our mission to get to, to encourage, inspire, lead people, our, our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends, our aunts and uncles, cousins, you name it. It's got to be our mission to encourage them to seek God's kingdom first and foremost. Because there is coming a day and age where we do not have to worry about this limit of time. So those are the, the two principles that I hope each and every one of us here this morning can come away with in light of this fact that life is short is that number one, we've got to make the most of this precious time that we have. You know, at uh, Greg's funeral service, they, they were talking about how he lived to the max near the end. Uh, you know, some people uh, encouraged uh, Greg to uh, go to hospice or whatever hospital. You know, for some people, that is the right decision to make. For Greg, he realized that the right decision for him to make was to make the most out of this precious time that he had. And so he lived down in Texas. He had family up in Ohio, and he wanted to go home and spend that precious time with his family. It's been precious time with God, his father, with his Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. And we need to mirror that same principle as well. You know, Greg, uh, he had uh, the, the knowledge that his end was coming very soon uh, unless God were to perform some sort of miracle. And for some of us, we may be uh, putting this off, the, this uh, idea of how valuable our time is because we think we have X amount of years but just like the grass in our front yard could be uprooted, you and I, our lives could be uprooted abruptly without any prior knowledge. And so live as if today were the last day of your life. There's a lot of wisdom in that regard as we count our days. And then the second principle is we got to put our hope in a day and age where there's no end. 
where there's no limit on the time that we have. And as we put our hope, as we put our faith in this coming day and age, we can better live our lives today in light of the fact of God's coming kingdom, the hope that we have as Christians. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for every breath that you fill our lungs with. We thank you for every minute, every hour, every day that we have to, to live, that we have to grow closer to you, Father, and to expand your coming kingdom. Father, I just pray that in light of life being short, I pray that you help us to make the most out of our lives. And Father, I pray that you help us to put our hope in that day and age where everything wrong with this world will be made right, where we can fellowship and praise and worship you for all of eternity. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the precious gift of life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.